I'm Christian Bush. And I'm Cindy Watts. Welcome to our podcast, 52. I turned 52 this year, believe it or not, and I am releasing 52 songs to celebrate. This podcast looks at the relationship between my 52 new songs and 52 of my most popular songs from my back catalog with plenty of stories and laughs along the way. Cindy Watts, how are you? I'm I'm eagerly awaiting what you have planned have for me two, today. I have a twofer. Oh wow! You ready? I am. I'm not sure you are. Actually. <laughs> I probably may not be. Uh, pretty soon, I'll start bringing alcoholic beverages to this podcast. But for now, what you're going to get are dad jokes. Well, all right then. And hopefully, the endorphin release, either from rolling your eyes or from <laughs> actually laughing, will be enough. To buoy you for the rest of our conversation. To mimic tequila. Can you believe I was thrown out of my church for claiming Jesus spoke with a lisp? It was a real slap in the faith. <laughs> Lord. Lord? Really? Exactly. That's how you're going to? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Here's another one. My boss hates when I shorten his name to Dick. Especially because his name's Steve. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> Can anyone tell me what oblivious means? I really have no idea. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to go back to the dick joke. <laughs> the Richard humor. <laughs> so who, when, when you tell that joke, what boss do you think of? Oh, Yes. <laughs> All my bosses. All your bosses? Yeah. Ever? I had one boss who was not. I had a I had a man who taught me how to program computers named Barty and he he was the kindest, most patient and most encouraging boss I'd ever had. Because I was not really there to do that. I was there to just help test the programs and he saw me have an aptitude for um this and he started to encourage me he was like he would tea you know suddenly he'd be on the whiteboard like hey here's how this works here's how this works i was like oh my gosh really and so i was genuinely surprised at you know he just clandestinely <laughs> taught me to be a computer programmer without me even like seeing that that was coming so uh, anybody but him, I would, Anyone when I him. think of Steve, my boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's. How about you? Do you know exactly which boss that was? I'd probably get sued. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you, don't say it into the microphone. Yeah. No. Say it into your pillow at night. Um, it can um, capture your. I scream it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> Today's pairing is fun. This is a fun one. The song off 52 is called Faded. And I've paired it with um, the lead off first song we wrote for Dark Water called Come Out. So why don't you tell us that that story? Because you, you told me already and I thought that was fabulous. Sure. So Faded, um, we wrote with, uh, I wrote with, with Benji Shanks, my... Um, at the time we wrote it, we were performing together, but we were not, we hadn't started a band yet. And, um, 
so I rode with Benji Shanks and he brought his friend Coy Bowles from the Zach Brown band because uh, Benji works with Coy um, in some sort of capacity, helping Coy in his world of being in the Zach Brown band, whether it's playing guitar or coming up with parts or whatever it is that he helps with. And, um, on this particular day, well, Benji and I, he, Benji had approached me and said, I guess my, maybe a whole lot, like I was just telling you about my boss Barty, um, <laughs> that, uh, he had come to me and said, Hey man, I want to learn more of what you do, Christian. And I was like, okay, what do you want to know? I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's not really secret voodoo alchemy that I'm doing in here. We're just like writing songs and, or, um, I'm just happy when I do it. But, um, he said, teach me how to write. Cause I, I want to do it and teach me how to do, you know, the home recording that you're doing. And, and, um, and so I did, I, I put him in on a bunch of co-writes and he's really good at it. It just, it, because he's a guitar player and doesn't come across as a very, talkative man <laughs> you would think that he would be somehow reserved in a creative space and he's not he's actually very fluent in being creative and he said well you know he was trying to explain to me a little bit about the mystery of how the zach brown band works and it works different you know all bands work a little differently than maybe what you might think regular artist life works. Right. Um, and, and you hear stories of them and, and it seems like they've all developed independently <laughs> as intelligent, like, uh, relational rules. Like I know how the police worked the police. Cause I, I love that band. Mm -hmm. It turns out that Andy Summers and Stuart Copeland each got one song on a police record, but otherwise sting wrote the rest. Oh, was that their deal? It must have been. That's kind of how it worked. And um, and then, you know, I just recently saw that Beatles documentary yeah. and everything was Lennon McCartney, except there was always one, uh, uh, one for Ringo and one for George. Right. And at some point in that documentary, you see George go, well, I've written, you know, my one Beatles song for the next eight albums already. And what he was talking about was really the first George Harrison solo record. But um, you didn't know it. Right at that point, but you know it now watching the documentary, but I guess the Zach Brown band works where it's the best song wins. Yeah. And so everybody in the band writes and not everybody writes with each other. They're going out into the community and bringing back the best song. So, um, because I'm a competitive man, I, I wanted to win the game. So I, I, um, I was asking questions of Koi, like, you know, what is it, you know, what are the, the typical things that people are reacting to. And, and Koi was very kind, but he, he, he didn't really have a good lead on it other than, well, you know, if it's a good song. So I, I just didn't understand what Zach Brown band would consider a good song. Right. Other than what I'd heard of their songs on their records. Like all right. these must've passed the test cause they're here, but that's not a safe assumption. You know, there's a lot of politics that go into making these records especially when there's more than one person at the top of the pyramid. Right. And, um, so as we were talking, we were talking about what it's like to be at those shows. And the more he started to describe it and Benji was describing it, cause I hadn't seen them in a long time. Cause you know, I, they, they toured with Sugarland for just a little bit, just a couple opening shows. And, but otherwise we were always touring when they were. So right. I only saw them on award shows. 
And I was trying to guess, you know, what that would be like. But in his description, he was like, well, it's a lot of, you know, like it's a lot of young girls dress, you know, like in long flowy dresses that are dancing. And then there's men and families and then like older forties couples. And some of them are like, some are like party kids in their twenties. And he was describing pretty much every festival. Right. And I, I, I was like, all right, well, is there anything that you guys are chasing specifically? He goes, well, that's a hard target because the Zach Brown band sort of moves around on all of its targets. Oh yeah. And w- during the conversation, Benji brought up a title. I, I believe it was Benji. I don't think it was Koi, but, um, it definitely wasn't me. And the title was faded. And I was like, what do you mean faded? Like a faded blue jeans, faded ja- blue jean jacket. Like, is that sun has hit something long enough that it's faded? And you're like, Oh no. And they sort of shook their heads. Like Christian, you, you naive young old man. <laughs> uh, and I was like, what, what are you guys talking about? You know, you're like faded man, you know, like stoned. And I was like stoned as in like smoking dope stoned or like, like, Atlanta stone, which could be smoking anything, you Ah. know, like, and they were like, no, 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 man. It's, you know, um, and I was, they were like, you know, like faded, like, like coming in waves of high. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know this term, so I'm not sure I would use it correctly. So maybe we ought not title it that way. And then the more we started talking about it, the more I was obsessed with trying to fully understand <laughs> what they were saying, like some sort of like trying to be a cool dad. I mean, I've never, I've never heard that. I just never heard it. Yeah. And, um, and the more we talked about it, the more I was like, well, let's just make it up to what we want it to be. And so it's it, it in this context, um, it, there was an added layer to it. Cause once I was like, Oh, you mean like, like smoking dope music. You mean like grateful dead. And of course, Benji's eyes lit up like a, like a dog that had just been like gotten a whiff of steak. <laughs> like he was like, Whoa, you know, completely alert. And I was like, you mean you like the dead? And he was like, Oh dude, I love the dead. And I was like, can we, can we like the dead and write country music? And he was like, I don't know. I, I think so. And I was like, well, I, I don't know. You know, I've, I've only been to like eight, 10 shows ever. And he's like, you've been to 10 shows and you know, like, and then suddenly we're talking and then we, suddenly we were like both, he was a lot more because as a guitar player, a lot more vested and had a lot more language right. yeah. than I had. But I had gotten into Grateful Dead when I went to, to boarding school in Connecticut and those kids had taught me what the dead was and took me to shows. And then suddenly I was, you know, hanging out in the parking lots when I could sneak out whenever I could, but I understood it, but it wasn't a deep, I wouldn't have called myself a deadhead. Right. But I also would never have made fun of them. Right. You know, it was something that I understood. And as time had passed, I had become really obsessed with the community of it. Yeah. And that's a lot of what the Zach Brown band started to, to read to me as, Mm -hmm. which is they were building a community that tours on the road. And a, 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 a building an event that their fans come to. And I was like, oh man, this is all starting to come together in my head. And Benji and I were having this wonderful moment of having known each other for a long time, but also just 
sort of given each other permission to dive into our deadness <laughs> on the day that Coy Bowles is looking for a Zach Brown song. So, um, this is the song that we wrote and, uh, and we can talk more about it afterward, but that's your setup. Very good. All right. Yes. So this is, uh, off 52. This is faded. know that your mama never told you daddy should have named you sugar magnolia blonde hair wild and her blue eyes shining true hanging at the window of that old vw it's easy to see you were born to be an american beauty feels like i'm tripping now That's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have a fun question. Okay. Have you gone to the CBD store yet? Um, which one? Name one. Like, have you, in, have you like, uh, crossed the, the, the line of, oh my gosh, they're selling under pot down the street. Oh on yeah. Every street corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually have, like, we had this conversation yesterday. Um, on the corner of, I'm going to name drop Go ahead. for a minute. This didn't happen yesterday. This was the first time I saw it. I was with Blake Shelton and we were. Oh, that chump. 
Yeah. <laughs> so we were, um, I parked and I crossed the street and we were at Old Red uh, to do a people story, a story for People Magazine. And there was a, a uh, cart on the corner advertising with a sign, marijuana. And it's like, holy crap. It's it's not even pretending to be something else. I mean, that's just what it life, said. Life has moved on. And I went upstairs and I'm like, Blake, you're never going to believe what's outside. So a bunch of us are like, you know, like me and Blake and uh, Blake's publicist, Wes, and maybe Narvel manager. I'm not sure. But we're like looking out the window. And as we're looking out the window, all the cops pull up. Oh, really? And they're like <laughs> three cop cars surrounding. It was a pregnant woman. It was a pregnant woman with a pot stand. So all these cop cars were surrounding the pregnant woman <laughs> with a pot stand. So it, well, my, my point being is that it's just it's an everyday piece of life now. Oh, oh, it is. And, and, and a different stand was on a corner downtown Nashville yesterday. And I'm not quite sure. What's the fancy CBD one called that's supposed to be like, it's like the not pot. Um, oh, well, it's CBD, but it's Delta eight. Yes. That one. Right. Yes. So they're advertising that on the, on the front of the yeah. cart and they've got all these things lined up, but I happen to be standing behind the cart and I'm like, Oh no, that's snugs in those little jars. So it's like Delta eight was the front and the pot was in the back. Oh, there you go. Well, I mean, the good stuff's always in the back. There you have it. That's how it works. That's how it works. Well, I, I, the reason I ask is, you know, faded. Yes. Right. But also, um, it's one of the conversations that we have when we talk about sometimes when you listen to music, you associate it with a certain kind of party. Right. Sure. So like we always used to joke that when we were on the Kenny Chesney tours, that it was the, the, the plastic cup of confusion, what? right? They were like, raise high your plastic <laughs> cup of forgetting. Right. And I like confusion better. Yeah. The plastic <laughs> cup of confusion. And that was like a thing, right? Cause we all came here to have a good time and just sort of get drunk. Right. Right. Um, or as, as Jennifer used to say, the plastic cup of forgetting, that's hysterical right? yeah. and of forgetting what's going wrong in your life. And, and we always challenged that with Sugarland saying we're the plastic cup of remembering, right? <laughs> yeah. we, we're trying to get you to remember the good times of your right. life. Um, and, uh, in this case, if you pair a Delta eight experience, uh-huh. which, um, I'm not sure, I'm, I don't need you to answer this question, but yes, I have smoked some Delta eight and yes. it is, um, uh, it is not pot, but it, it but it is an uh, incredible facsimile. It is a facsimile and it is a, a very quick, quickly over it, it hits you quicker and then it disappears quicker, which is kind of good if you're a person like me who is typically is like, I don't feel it. Can I have another gummy? And then suddenly <laughs> like I'm drooling on the ground, like, Oh, what have I done? And then I hate my whole night. That's a, right? I just went to sleep. So I have no idea how long it lasted. <laughs> so I, I typically misjudge things. So it, it's, it's helpful for me, but, um, in the world of the grander experience of something like the grateful dead, right. Where it makes a lot of sense when you find yourself loving that music, taking no drugs, right? 
and having nothing like you're like, oh, I love that song, Uncle John's Band, or I love that song, Truckin', or whatever it is. And then once you do kind of hear it for the first time with a little extra on it, you're like, oh, oh, look, oh, they're they're going exploring with their instruments right now, aren't they? Oh, and then you've suddenly lost four, five, six minutes. Oh, yeah. You know, of time that puts you in a different headspace when you hear music. So I think as a bridge between Faded and where we're going here, um, one of the things that we always joked in Dark Water was we would tell our managers like, hey, don't bother us. We're going to be high for a week. You know, like. (laughs) Oh, no, man. Don't worry about it. We got this. You told us to do this instead of Sugarland right now. So we're totally going like we would scare them to death. That's and of course, funny. we didn't do any of that. <laughs> but we always threatened that we would. But um, so we decided to dive in when we invented dark water. It was um, it was Brandon's big idea. Which is funny because if you ask him, he's the of the three of us. He's the last one to say, "Oh my God, we made a band." That's so funny. Um, but the first day that the experiment happened, and the experiment was this: Hey, Christian, will you want to come join Benji and I? We've written a bunch of music. Can you come put some lyrics and melodies to these songs? Also, as a frame of reference. The question of the day is, if the Grateful Dead, during the making of the record American Beauty, couldn't get all the songs recorded, what five songs did they just leave off the record that they just never got to? And I had just been working on Troubadour, the musical, where they had asked me to go into like 1940s and 50s country music and create, you know, authentic music that would have been at that time. So I had these muscles of ethnomusicology that I didn't realize I had. So I obsessively dove in (laughs) to this challenge and we popped out the other side with what we thought were four or five songs for fun to be creative, which our managers then said, oh my God, you made a band. And how did you feel when they said that? Oh my God, you made a band. What did your brain do? I need another band. Like I need a hole in the head, (laughs) you know, like, um, but what I thought was exciting to me is somebody had decided that was a band before I did. Yeah. Which had never happened to me before. I had always been the one that had to be like, uh, Oh, I think we just made a band, (laughs) you know, with all the weight and responsibility that comes with that. Right. This was different. And I love my brother, Brandon, and I love this man, Benji, that I had just met years before. And it turns out it was like, oh, we were supposed to be doing this the whole time. And we just sort of made up that we were playing Christian solo music for a while. The difference about with Dark Water and what might be called solo music for me is that Brandon and Benji write all the music. And I'm not allowed to. Why is that? It was just the way they came up with it because otherwise it would kind of probably sound like faded. (laughs) So, so you're in a band with Brandon and Benji who told you that you were not allowed to write songs for the band. 
Well, I'm not allowed to really write the music for it because the chord progressions I would choose might support. I might go to the old things that I know or I depend on that might sound a lot like the other music I make. And, and it also challenged them to not just be esoteric, but give me something that I can write on. They'd been playing it for seven years. Right. The two of them, they know what it's supposed to be. But what is it when I'm not there? So I thought that was interesting. And then I loved this idea of the musical landscape of things you could talk about and lyrics you could use that you can't use in country music, right? What can you do in dark water that you can't do in other places? So I started to dive in again and, uh, you know, my nineties showed back up inside me, <laughs> you know, the songwriter I, I started out as, um, has a lot more poetry in it than, you know, the matter of factness of country music. Um, but they're all the same stories and they contain a lot of the similar melodies. So, uh, I paired these two together because they were some sort of like weird threads, like Delta seven <laughs> <laughs> that are connecting, uh, Benji and Christian and Coy sitting on a sofa um, to three or four years later with, uh, Brandon and Benji and Christian sitting in a room, um, accidentally making up a band. So this was the first song we wrote and, um, it, it will appear to you as if Benji had been playing this guitar line the whole time, but it was the last thing we did. He's like, can you just turn it back and play it? And let me play over it once. And he made all this guitar stuff up on the last time through. Oh, wow. I was like, huh? It's that kind of brilliant. Um, it, there's been a kind of a long history of of Southern rock guitar guys. Um, Jimmy Herring for a long time was that guy for Widespread and played with the Dead. And, um, and Derek Trucks is kind of your current mm -hmm. one, right? But before that, you know, it would have been in the Allman Brothers. It would have been um, even before that, you know, a lot of the jerry garcia stuff they were these sort of iconic guitar players that were not there for the girls they were there for the guitar you know and that's a different game that is a different game and benji's uh he's super handsome and he's absolutely attracts all the women but he's not that's not why he's there or at least that's not what he tells me he's there for <laughs> <laughs> anyway so uh this is um come out from the first dark water record
so he just did all that on the last that's one take that's amazing cool right it is it's super cool <laughs> and uh, you also remember brandon's playing drums and benji's playing bass so i'm playing nothing <laughs> what's that like for you uh, um it's different yeah for sure you know i i uh I've always heard stories of people who sing better when they're playing something because mm-hmm. they feel the rhythm in their hands or their feet so that they are, 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 are more on tempo when they sing. And I found it to be incredibly freeing. Really? Yeah. Like I didn't have to play. So suddenly I can do things that I don't have to split my brain to pull off. I think the thing that strikes me about people who are used to playing in- instruments when they sing and then don't play instruments when they sing is that they don't know what to do. Like none of their brains say, Oh, there's so many more things I can do. Their brains say, Oh crap. Now what? Yeah. Where am I going to hide? I look, so, I look pretty silly when I just come out with a microphone. Doubtful to sing. Well, I mean, I feel silly, but I'm, I'm sure I look fine. I'm sure you look fine. I just, I, I've noticed whenever I see people now, um, there, there, uh, I, I call it the Dirks Bentley is what people do now is this, this kind of you're, you're, you're they're, they're, they're tightening their, their ab muscles uh-huh. and then just sort of like manning their way across the stage as if they're slowly like leaning forward in order to walk. Yes. As if they're not cool enough to be in the band corn oh and wrap it around their arm. But suddenly they're like singers trying to deal with what do I do with myself and flexing my, (laughs) well, you know, I just, I I see it and I get worried that if that was to happen to me, I would know what to do. (laughs) They also point in the air. You can also go with the two finger point because they do that all the time too. Two finger point, the two finger point, but you have to move them back and forth or it doesn't count. So when we perform as dark water, I do play. Excellent. But when we record, um, you do not, I do not. And when we write, I mean, maybe two songs and two albums, I've brought in the guitar and said, hey, I think it should go like this. Hmm. So how so did that... you did you feel a difference between the country inspired pieces and the like completely jam band, no genre performance? Well, yes, but I think that faded being inspired by what it was inspired by is closer to the jam band experience than a, you know, a regular than, country song would be then sing along. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, if you were to put a different Christian Bush song beside a dark water song, they wouldn't be as close as those two those were. Two. Well, yeah. I wanted to try to find a way that people could get into dark water without knowing they were into that kind of music. Um, The other thing I would encourage people to do now that you've heard all this is both go seek out more dark water music, but also go back and listen to faded and see if you can pick out all of the grateful dead references that are in there, because there are a lot. I I think there's at least wait, stop. Okay. Don't say it. Okay. I won't. You should have them. You should have people. Okay. Why don't you write in to 52, the podcast at Gmail. Um, and see if you guys get it. And if somebody gets the right one, then maybe we'll send you a dark water vinyl. There you have it. How about that? Yep. Because, you know, in Jam Band, we make really cool vinyl. <laughs> Very cool.
See, look, did you learn something today? I did. It's not Delta nine. It's what? It's Delta eight. That's right. And Do I'll you look... know what it is? Delta eight. It is one molecule off full THC. Now. So the ironic thing is that <laughs> we looked this up last night. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes. Like last. I cannot believe that you brought it up today <laughs> because we, I'm bugging your house. We it wasn't even in my house, but we very literally were sitting on the couch watching it storm last night. And I was with a friend who was on the market for some stuff and we're trying to figure out, you know, explain that, you know, Delta eight was a reasonable facsimile because it was a derivative of THC. And then yeah. I come in today and it's on the podcast. It's all right. It's only, it's a, it, it's a slippery slope, Cindy Watts. Apparently. We'll have you microdosing mushrooms in a couple of months. Uh, yeah, no. Don't you worry. That, you know what? If I act, you know, mushrooms I'm kidding. I'm kidding. close my throat up. If that were to happen, we'd have to like go to the emergency room. <laughs> I, I will not. I know. I will not. I trust you. Yes. But I now know that you're interested in listening to Dark Water with a little <laughs> Delta 8. Because why Your not? Your kids are not listening to this either. They're, oh, no, no. They're not. So whatever. They're not. Yeah. Yes. Hi to our kids if you ever get this one. Hi. <laughs> do right. what I say, not what I do. <laughs> Until next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Christian Bush here. Cindy Watts. And we would like to thank you for joining us for another episode of 52. If you'd like to write us with questions or comments, you can contact us at 52thepodcast at gmail.com. That is the number 52. Or by leaving us a voicemail at 803-900-5252. Also, remember, the best way to help us is to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, please, and thank you. You can follow me at Christian Bush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and you can follow Cindy at Cindy Watts on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as well. Thank you for listening, and please join us next week.